Nope. I don't know a lot. You see this? All this shit. This is not your fault. Remember me? Mork from Ork. You once called me the nutso from outer space. This is not your fault. You tell me now, if I want law and order, I should go back to Moscow, stand in line for bread. Stale bread. Stale bread. Somewhere on this island, there's a doll with your face on it. Voodoo Tata. Take care. <laughs> Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Good morning, Vietnam! It's not your fault. I know. No, no, you don't. Seize the day. Gather ye rose, but while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? It's not your fault. You fabulous guy, man! Don't hug me in public oh, again, oh, okay? Oh, men with men. Oh, Jack! It's not your fault. In your rear, cow derriere. Lying, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig! You loot, crude, loot, bag of pea, chewed food, dude. It's not your fault. Hello! That is why women have the babies, you see? Because men can't handle the power. It's not your fault. You didn't make an entree. I want to learn about people. I want to help them with their troubles. That's what I do. But you suck at it. It's not your fault. You and I share a secret. We know how easy it is to kill somebody. It's not your fault. Three? You are down by one, boy! That's a Queen Bowie song, Under Pressure. What were you thinking? I didn't think you knew that one. <laughs> Jason, I'm white. It's not your fault. Welcome to Aspect Radio. We are coming to you a lot sooner than we had planned or really hoped and it's in the wake of tragic news in the entertainment industry the death of robin williams was reported earlier monday evening i believe he died sometime in the morning on august 11th and we got the news between five and six o'clock i think in the afternoon and i'm joined on the phone by Corey. Corey craft is with me and we're stunned by the news this guy died far too soon. He's an extraordinary talent, just beaming with energy always, and somehow throughout his film career was able to rein it in a handful of times for beautiful performances, nuanced performances, something that I'm sure at one point no one ever thought could be associated with Robin Williams. And he's died at 63, and he, he had years ahead of him and movies and other performances ahead of him, I'm sure. And we're just so sad to lose a guy like that, just a consummate entertainer and somebody who brought it every time, no matter how good or bad the result may have been. So, Corey, just for starters... This is the kind of news that you just don't ever expect. I mean, celebrities die and are sort of heroes in the industry and performers we love certainly aren't going to live forever. But when you see a name like Robin Williams pop up in your Twitter feed, you just hope that it's a joke. Yeah, this is a tough one. The thing is, this is a performer, this is an actor. Well, like you said, he not only had years ahead of him, but you're not too much older than I am, but I feel comfortable saying that if you are uh, an individual perhaps between the ages of 20 and, oh, 34, it's safe to say that you probably had a Robin Williams movie on repeat on VHS tape in your childhood. It's just something you probably grew up with, whether that's his performances, The Genie and Aladdin, or something like Jumanji, something like Mrs. Doubtfire, something like Disney's Flubber remake. This is a guy who really meant a lot to a lot of people, and I feel like particularly a lot of people roughly 
our age who were the sorts to just replay Fern Gully or Jumanji over and over and over again. And this is a guy who was just beloved for a certain age demographic and certainly well-respected and enjoyed by other age demographics. This is, this is tough news. Yeah, it really is, Corey. And like you said, this is someone whose work we grew up with. Just from a sentimental standpoint, it's going to have an, a tremendous impact on on people like you and I, who are who are not only obsessed with movies and and you know have delved deeply into his filmography, but just for anybody who has a you know even limited experience with films, they've seen multiple Robin Williams movies and enjoyed multiple performances, whether it's you know, one of his voice performances, like you mentioned, Fern Gully, and obviously one of the crowning achievements of his career and of one studio's history in Aladdin, where he played a genie and just sort of, I think, changed and set a standard in celebrity voice acting and animated feature films, particularly with the Disney brand. And he just had such a considerable impact with that and so many other performances. But we'll talk a little bit more about a handful of these performances that made such a huge impact. But I'm trying to recall a, a celebrity or an actor, a, a comedian, or just, you know, one of these folks in the industry who was honestly an icon or somebody of this stature whose death has had this much of an impact on our generation and who, during his life, made this kind of impact on people of our age. And it's with family films, it's with R-rated dramatic performances, and, you know, this guy could kind of do it all. And he had this manic energy, like I said before, that seemed difficult for him or anybody else to really stop and bottle and suppress and try to fine-tune, but it's just amazing to me that based on his live performances and some of his comedic performances where the manic energy is on display, that he's able to slow down and deliver some just harrowing and just very touching dramatic performances that you wouldn't otherwise expect from someone with as much enthusiasm and energy as he had. Yeah, you know, his darker performances, I guess you could say, though they aren't all inherently dramatic, you know, in 2002 is pretty well noted as a year where he broke the mold, the supporting role in Christopher Nolan's Insomnia remake and a lead role, a very chilling lead role in Mark Romanek's One Hour Photo. Uh, those are both really good movies. Also that year, he made a less well-regarded movie, Death to Smoochie, which is a very, very dark comedy. And then after 2002, to be perfectly honest, his career kind of seemed to fall off a cliff with one sort of bright, shining exception in, an, again, another very dark comedy, Bobcat Goldthwait's uh, World's Greatest Dad. It's still really kind of amazing to me, though, that despite not really having any prominent roles in very many well-regarded films or very many films at all over the last decade that the news uh, of his passing today hits so very hard for some people because, you know, we still have that lingering fondness, I suppose, and for his great work that he that he did in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. And he was a tremendous performer, as you said. It's kind of hard to look at a sort of completely insane energy in something like Barry Levinson's extraordinarily misguided film Toys and think that that's the same guy from Dead Poets Society or from Awakening. He was an amazing performer and he 
was validated, of course, by the Academy for his role in, in Goodwill Hunting in 1997. And, and you know, his filmography and, and his legacy, what he leaves behind, meant so much to so many people. Corey, he won one Oscar, obviously, for his supporting turn in Goodwill Hunting, and he earned three more nominations for lead actor at that. He won two Emmys, four Golden Globes, two Screen Actors Guild Awards, and even five Grammy Awards. So his career was adorned with accolades and praise from people from all over the industry and, and throughout audiences. He was a beloved figure in the entertainment industry. And yes, he had a tendency to make the stinker every now and then, but it didn't make you love him any less. And you always knew that he would come back with something great more often than not. Yet you're right. You know, after 2002, the quality sort of waned, I guess, down the stretch. He didn't stop making movies. He made a lot of movies from 2002 to beyond. And you singled out World's Greatest Dad, which I think is a fantastic performance from him in, a, in an unsung gym. I know that it has its fans, but people should definitely check it out. And he did, you know, a little bit more work as recently as 2013, where he had a bit role as Dwight Eisenhower and Lee Daniels, the butler. But he was also able to connect with the mainstream if it was in a smaller capacity. I think that he is arguably the best part about something like 2006's Night at the Museum, where he plays Teddy Roosevelt in this museum for all these historic figures come to life. He's just hilarious. And if you can get, again, that manic energy in smaller doses, sometimes it works in that capacity. And I think he's terrific in that. And, and he showed, you know, even as recent as seven or eight years ago, that he could still do it. He still had the chops. And he, he always shows that with his live performances. He came to Birmingham, I think, in 2009. All you hear are good things, you know, when people are around him and people are in a live setting. But we want to focus on his performances Corey, why don't we go through our three favorite Robin Williams performances? There are a ton that we can mention, and we can go down his filmography and just sing the praises. There are a lot that I personally haven't seen still. A lot of his early 80s work, even late 70s with his show Mork and Mindy, something I saw in bits and pieces as a child when it would play on Nick at Night. I need to go back and watch it, and I don't want to crash your party when it comes to naming your films, so maybe we can save that for later, but there's just a handful that I'm looking forward to seeing. In retrospect now, looking at his filmography and seeing some of the ones that are absent from my queue and ones that I've seen, but Corey, why don't you start us off? We're going to talk our three favorite Robin Williams performances. What's your number three? Well, I'm going to have to qualify, first of all, that this is, I don't think, in any particular order, because many of these films, it's been some time since I've seen them, but I'll start off with a film with a performance that I mentioned not too long ago, uh, his performance in Mark Romanek's One Hour Photo from 2002, where he plays well, what could best be described as an anti-hero, a very quiet photo technician who develops a potentially dangerous obsession for a family whose photos he develops sort of insinuates himself into their lives and it's a disturbing performance in a disturbing film and Mark Romanek's sort of breakout in the very short career that he's had so far and sort of the film that, that validated Robin Williams as a potentially psychologically disturbing and, and threatening film presence, something that he, I think, started to lean on a little bit in the latter part of his career, but never quite as well utilized in that film. Whoa. Jake! Huh? I was just talking to your dad. What do you have there? Evangelion. Oh. Neon Genesis Evangelion. <whistles> wow. What does he do? 
Well, he's a good guy. He can fly, and he has a silver sword that can kill bad guys. Really? Yeah. He's 60 feet tall. <sighs> and you really want this, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Jake, come on. No more toys. We're leaving. Gotta go. Well, I'll put this back for you, okay? Thanks. See ya. See you later. Yeah, it's great. You know, Corey, upon this news, I thought, I want to go get a handful of his movies from the public library here in Tuscaloosa, which has a pretty good movie selection, and I grabbed five Robin Williams movies, some that I had seen and some that I hadn't, and I haven't seen One Hour Photo since I saw it in the theater here in Tuscaloosa back in 2002, <clears throat> so it's a movie that I've always wanted to revisit, especially because of the emergence of Mark Romanek as a filmmaker to keep an eye on, but it's a performance that had an impact immediately, and I'm sure is even better when you go back and revisit it. So one-hour photo is a good pick, and one I'll definitely go back and check out. The first one I'm going to list here, Corey, is sort of the easy one that I've already mentioned, and it's 1997's Good Will Hunting, directed by Gus Van Sant, and it's the film Robin Williams won his Oscar for, co-starring Matt Damon, obviously, and co-written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. They won the Oscar, too, for their screenplay. But this is an incredibly powerful film that I think really holds up. I know that it's sort of trendy, I guess, to criticize it based on the careers that Affleck and Damon have had respectively, but this is a movie that had an enormous impact on me when I saw it in the theater when I was about 13 or 14 years old. So much of that was because of Robin Williams, and it's rare that Robin Williams is able to rein his persona in for these dramatic roles, and when he did it, it was such an event, in my opinion, and I always joke, Corey, that when Robin Williams has a beard on screen, it's time to get serious. And it can't be any truer than in Good Will Hunting when he has this massive beard and he sort of disappears into this psychologist, college professor character, Sean, who is brought in to counsel the troubled youth among troubled youths in Matt Damon's genius Will Hunting. And just the screen time that they share together, the dialogue that they have together is amazing. The scenes that he has with Stellan Skarsgård are outstanding, and it shows you what kind of potential can be reached by Robin Williams, not only as a performer, but as a dramatic actor. And he definitely reached it at different times throughout his career, but I always thought that he was rightly awarded the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. And you can just go back to that scene where they're in the park by the pond or lake or, or whatever, and he he really cuts Will Hunting down to size after Will Hunting has seemingly done that to him in his office and shows him, you know, what it's really like to be human and drop the facade that he's this young punk is carrying and he really cuts to the core and, and shows him just how long of a way he really has to go before he makes a breakthrough. And once they make that breakthrough, that's an even more powerful scene. So Good Will Hunting is my first pick. If I ask you about women, probably give me a syllabus of your personal favorites. You may have even been laid a few times. But you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid. I ask you about war, you'd probably uh, throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends. But you've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap and watch him gasp his last breath looking to you for help. I ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet, but you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you, who could rescue you from the depths of hell. And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel, 
to have that love for her be there forever, through anything, through cancer. And you wouldn't know about sleeping, sitting up in a hospital room for two months, holding her hand, because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss, because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. Well, that would be one of my picks as well. I love that movie too. But to uh, avoid repetition, I'll uh, for my second pick, his portrayal of John Keating in uh, Dead Poet Society, the 1989 Peter Weir film that got him his second Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. Dead Poet Society is also a film that launched the career of a number of really talented young actors like Ethan Hawke, like Josh Charles. You have this really stalwart performance at the center of that film by uh, Robin Williams as the sort of prototypical inspirational teacher, teacher of literature who inspires his young male students to be better men, to appreciate not only literature but life itself in, in a story that eventually takes a tragic turn but uh, nevertheless remains one of those all-time feel-good, uplifting movies that uh, you just can't help but, but love. Uh, I mean, that's a movie that I saw when I was quite young and meant a lot to me, and Robin Williams is sort of the beating heart at the center of that film. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race, and the human race is filled with passion. Medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote from Whitman, O me, O life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, O me, O life? Answer, that you are here that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Another great pick. It's hard to go wrong with most of these choices so far. My second choice, Corey, it was really a toss-up between one of his more well-known mainstream movies, which I had mentioned earlier. But I'm going to go with the 1990 Best Picture nominee, Awakenings, made by Penny Marshall in what's arguably her best film. And I think it is. Yeah, one of Robin Williams' best performances opposite Robert De Niro. Here he stars as sort of this fictionalized American version of British neurologist Oliver Sacks. This film is based on Sacks' memoir of the same title, but he plays a doctor who discovers the beneficial effects of a drug called L-Dopa that he administers to catatonic patients who survive the epidemic of this disease that puts them in these catatonic states. And one of the patients that he tests this on more so than the others is Leonard Loeb, played by Robert De Niro. This is someone who is coming out of his catatonic state after decades of dealing with it. And just the obsession and the struggle and, again, these breakthroughs that Robin Williams' doctor goes through and the just sort of turmoil, the psychological turmoil and hope that he faces and dread, it's just all there on the table in his performance. You can see the stress 
with this character, and Robin Williams just nails it completely, and he is right on the level there with Robert De Niro, and who knew, even in 1990, that Robin Williams could go toe-to-toe with one of the greatest actors, arguably, of all time, and I mean, we had seen it in Dead Poets Society and even Good Morning Vietnam and some of the work that Robin Williams had done, but he just kept his streak alive with Awakenings, and this was a deserving Best Picture nominee, and Robert De Niro was a deserving nominee for Best Actor, but I think in retrospect, Robin Williams is just as good as him, and this is an incredibly powerful film about medicine and hope and the relationship that doctors have with their patients and the effort and obsession they have with curing them, and it's highly recommended if people haven't seen it before or revisited it in a long time. The summer was extraordinary. It was a season of rebirth and innocence, a miracle. Fifteen patients, and for us, the caretakers. But now we have to adjust to the realities of miracles. We can hide behind the veil of science and say it was the drug that failed, or that the illness itself had returned, or that the patients were unable to cope with losing decades of their lives. But the reality is, we don't know what went wrong any more than we know what went right. What we do know is as the chemical window closed, another awakening took place. the human spirit is more powerful than any drug and that is what needs to be nourished with work play friendship family these are the things that matter this is what we've forgotten simplest things well that is a great film that's a great pick and and truthfully and i'm not just saying it because of the circumstances that you know under which we're recording this i actually kind of think that robin williams bests robert de niro in awakenings they're both very fine performances but williams has to again ground that film without and i hesitate to use this term but without the sort of Mechery and, and histrionics that De Niro, by the nature of the character, eventually slides into. He's, again, stalwart, I guess would be a good, good word to use there. He's the heart of that movie. And it's in two tremendous performances, but I would give Williams the, the slight edge in a very, very fine film. I have a confession I have to make to you. You're married? No. You're divorced? No. You, you have a disease? No, please stop. I'm in love with you. Not just from tonight. I've known you for a long time. I know that you come out from work at noon every day and you fight your way out that door and then you get pushed back in and three seconds later you come back out again. And I, I walk with you to lunch and I know if it's a good day if you stop and get that romance novel at that bookstore. I know what you order and I know on Wednesdays you go to that Timson parlor and I know that you get a jawbreaker before you go back into work. And I know you hate your job and you don't have many friends and. I know sometimes you feel a little uncoordinated and you don't feel as wonderful as everybody else and feeling as alone and separate as you feel you are and I love you. I love you. <laughs> and I think you're the greatest thing since Spice Rex. 
And I've been knocked out several times. If I could just have that first kiss, and I won't, I won't be distant. I'll come back in the morning, and I'll call you if you let me. But I still don't drink coffee. My number one pick is his performance in Terry Gilliam's The Fisher King. William stars as Terry, a disturbed homeless man whose life interconnects at a very crucial point with disgraced shock jock radio DJ played by Jeff Bridges, who forms a, a connection and, and a friendship with William's character. Just as a little aside, this evening we went to a preview screening of the new film The Giver, which stars Jeff Bridges, and for some reason, this typically is not the case, but for some reason, this evening, the preview screening was tied to a live broadcast of the red carpet at the film's premiere in New York. And at this premiere, well, obviously Bridges was there. He's one of the producers of The Giver as well as the star. And, you know, as the interview began, he was very noticeably and very openly uh, upset about the, the death of his friend, which he had just heard about. Apparently, Williams, as we've already said, was a, was a guy who was well-liked in Hollywood by pretty much all of his co-stars. And it's very sad, but it's also, I guess, just evidence of the connection that these guys made during this film. And, and you can also see evidence of that connection in the film itself which is a really wonderful movie that sort of so expertly so blends fantasy and, and, and dark reality into something that, that ends up transcendent. Corey, I actually haven't seen The Fisher King. It's been on my list for a really long time, and I know that it's on Netflix Instant right now, so people can go out and watch it instantly. It's one I've always wanted to see because, you know, I hear it's essential Terry Gilliam, but also obviously essential Robin Williams in another Oscar-nominated performance, so I'm going to check it out probably this week as I'm catching up on his filmography. So my last pick, Corey, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to go television. It's because it's a recent performance and one that I recently revisited tonight upon hearing the news, and it's one that is especially poignant and touching in retrospect upon hearing the news of his death and, and having some time to sort of go over it and think about it and begin to mourn as a fan of Robin Williams. And it's from 2012, his appearance on Louis C.K.'s show, Louis, on FX. And he was on, I believe it was season three. The episode is called Barney slash never. His role is in the Barney section of that episode, and it involves Louis C.K. going to a funeral where no one else is in attendance until Robin Williams, dressed in a trench coat, driver's cap, and holding an umbrella, and once again, bearded, three for three here in my picks, he walks up and is the only other person in attendance, and this is something they share in common, and then they meet at a diner later in the episode and talk about their mutual friend and how they were friends with him, and then something else they share in common in terms of how they didn't really like him and how nobody really liked him, the, this man who died apparently with no friends. And where they go from there is really touching. And then this moment that they share after leaving the place that they go together to remember their friend is really, truly a, a moving moment now upon hearing the, the news of the death of Robin Williams. And it's just a, another incredibly nuanced and incredibly funny performance you get to see him sort of stripped down acting as a version of himself similarly to the way Louis CK does on that show and 
obviously Louis C.K., he, he tends to get the best out of the performers he brings onto that show, no matter who they are. But it's just such a special treat to get someone of Robin Williams' caliber on that show this late in his career, and obviously so late now into his career and it's one of his best later performances in his life and in his career and and looking back now it, it's just even more special now to watch it today and celebrate his life i was married to his wife's sister i put money into that club you did about a half million dollars and on top of that he stole another hundred grand from me jesus really oh yeah and i couldn't go after him I, you know what can i do he's family so i had to let it go and then here's the worst part. He kept wanting to be pals with me, you know, hang out. He wouldn't let it go. He bought a boat with the money he stole from me. He kept wanting me to go out on the boat. Out on the boat that he bought with money he stole from you? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. You know the thing about him is? He wanted everybody to like him, even when he was killing them. That was the thing with that guy. He was like that with everybody. So I, I encourage people to check that out. It is also on Netflix Instant. It's about 10 minutes, and it serves as a 10-minute short film unto itself, and it comes highly recommended. I actually have not seen that episode, so I'll have to check that out myself. We'll do it, Corey, and there's so much more for me to see personally. I want to go back and look at, again, some of the early 80s stuff that he did, including Moscow on the Hudson, which I've never seen. I'd like to go back and watch Robert Altman's Popeye, take, which I haven't seen in years, and I'd like to watch Club Paradise. A film of his that I saw recently just on cable was the comedy The Best of Times from 1986 that he made with Kurt Russell, which is a really funny movie, but there's just a handful of others that are just worth taking a look at again. Things like Dead Again, things like, like you mentioned before, Fern Gully, Hook, Steven Spielberg's sort of misunderstood 1991 film that I personally love. Again, there's just a handful of other unsung performances like the performance in 1995's Nine Months, which is the pregnancy comedy with Hugh Grant and Julianne Moore. But then you've got Mike Nichols' The Birdcage, Woody Allen's Deconstructing Harry from 1997. There's just so much to love about his career, and I hope that I can make some time here in the next few days and weeks to take a look back at it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to rewatch World's Greatest Dad and The Birdcage myself. I'm, I'm not sure... We will have a shot to do that, but needless to say, that's a shot to the top of my stack. Well, Corey, you know, I wish that we were recording under better circumstances and happier circumstances, but I think that it's appropriate to pay tribute to this guy who, who has played such a role in our lives growing up as people who are so interested in film and television and just entertainment in general. I've got no qualms with saying he's one of the greatest entertainers of all time. He's just a hilarious person and somebody who brought joy to our lives, and I know that he had his own struggles and inner demons that he fought throughout his life, obviously, until his death here today in 2000. 14 and it came way too soon because it seemed like he had so much more in him but we have a lot to work with now to celebrate his life and to help us do that now we've got our friends from filmnerds.com we have my brother Graham Flanagan Matt Scalici Ben Stark and Craig Hamilton from filmnerds.com sharing their favorite Robin Williams performances what would you wish for me no one's ever asked me that before well in my case Forget it. What? No, I can't. I... Come on, tell me. Freedom. You're a prisoner? It's all part and parcel of the whole genie gig. Phenomenal cosmic powers! Oh, genie. That's terrible. But oh, to be free. 
Not to have to go, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? To be my own master. Such a thing would be greater than all the magic and all the treasures in all the world. But what am I talking about? Let's get real here. It's not going to happen. Genie, wake up and smell the hummus. Why not? The only way I get out of this is if my master wishes me out. So, you can guess how often that's happened. I'll do it. I'll set you free. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Whoop! No, really, I promise. After I make my first two wishes, I'll use my third wish to set you free. Well, here's hoping. All right. Let's make some magic! For film nerds and Aspect Radio, this is Graham Flanagan in New York. I just wanted to say a few words about the passing of Robin Williams, which is still only an hour ago uh, that I learned about it. It's still fresh in my mind. I'm, I'm just shocked and saddened by it and confused by, you know, the, the few details that we have about the tragedy. But it just quickly brings to mind the many instances in which he brought me joy, both comedically and dramatically over the years. He was one of my favorite actors growing up in the 90s especially. And while he had a lot of duds that were ultimately disappointing for me, like What Dreams May Come, Bicentennial Man, Patch Adams, One Hour Photo, movies I really looked forward to and had a lot of hope for, but ultimately let me down, you can't take away from the guy the fact that he has so many memorable performances that are going to be preserved forever. And the thing is, before I get to some of the, the ones that stood out to me the most, there's still a lot of his work that I have yet to see that I'm really looking forward to, and two of those movies are... Good Morning Vietnam and The Fisher King, which brought him a lot of acclaim in the late 80s and early 90s, so I look forward to finally seeing those. Before I get to the, the, the performances that really impacted me, I wanted to just note movies that I really enjoyed his performances in. Moscow on the Hudson, which I never would have watched had it not been for a freshman year film course. It's very dated and, and not great, but it's a great performance by Robin Williams, who plays a Russian immigrant in New York City. Toys, a lot of people call this one of the worst movies ever made, they might not be far off, but I think that there's especially visually enough going on in this movie that makes it worth a watch, and, and he's the centerpiece of the film, and, and so I should probably see it again, but toys should definitely be seen. Club Paradise is, uh, again, a dated 80s movie starring Williams that a lot of people have forgotten about, but I say that mostly as a shout-out to my friend Brendan Moore, who is a huge diehard fan of the movie, and it has a cult following. Hook, of course was a major movie for me in my childhood. I was about eight or nine years old when it came out, watched it over and over again. And his performance is incredible in that movie. But I want to move on to some of the ones that really had a big impact on me. And I'll start with the dramatic work, especially for Goodwill Hunting. He won the Oscar, much deserved. Some of the, the greatest acting that I had ever seen up to that point. I saw it when I was 15, and it just really impacted me in an emotional way. Also, not to be missed, is Awakenings, directed by Penny Marshall that he did with uh, Robert De Niro. Just an outstanding movie and just completely moving piece of drama. It's not to be missed. Now to the, to the performances that really made an impact on me. Nine Months is one of his comedic masterpieces, in my opinion. It's a very small supporting role. He, he plays a, a foreign doctor. I can't remember which nationality he was. But in Nine Months, just absolutely hilarious and electric whenever he's on the screen. Dead Poets Society, which was one of the first films that garnered him dramatic acclaim. I must have watched it like 15 times in school over the years. I would love to see that again. His performance in that actually does inspire, as, as cheesy as that sounds. Just a great film and a great performance there. Mrs. Doubtfire, which I watched recently, still holds up. It's so funny and scary is in terms of how it shows his ability to become someone else, not just with the makeup, but with the voice, especially. And 
I made a, a very strong effort to try and imitate the Mrs. Doubtfire voice based on this performance when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, whenever it came out. That was just an inspiring turn in terms of how you can manipulate your voice to become someone else. But I think that the Robin Williams performance that sticks out the most to me is a voice performance in Aladdin. They said, a lot of people said anyway, when this movie came out, that he should have gotten a special Oscar or it could have been nominated for an Oscar. And I, I totally agree. I think that while the, the animation is absolutely incredible and worthy of his performance, you can tell that it inspired the animators to do such amazing work. I think it's one of the greatest animated voice performances of all time. Nobody could have done it except for Robin Williams. So that was probably my favorite of all time. Now, recently, people might say that he's been on sort of a cold streak. He obviously isn't as visible and used as much as he was in the 90s. But I, I got to say, I'm glad that right before he died, he was able to do some great work on the show Louie and just a really outstanding, unique, original episode. So check that out. It's a sad day for, for film fans. You know, it's really, like I said, confusing. We'll learn more about it, but at least we're left with all of the great art that Robin Williams left behind. For Aspect Radio and Film Nerds, this is Graham Flanagan in New York. Like a lot of our listeners, I grew up under the impression that Robin Williams was the funniest man alive. His frenetic pace and energy and versatility as a comedic actor made him a tailor-made comedy icon for the hyperactive child in all of us. But buried within Williams' manic, stream-of-consciousness comedic voice was, we now know, one of the finest dramatic acting minds of his generation. Williams the actor had a penchant for playing characters who embodied values like decency, humanity, and compassion. Nowhere was this more evident than in his 1990 performance in Awakenings, in which Williams portrayed the neurologist and author Oliver Sacks. It's a film built around the idea that patients should be treated as human beings and not just numbers or case files, and that's an idea that comes up time and again throughout Williams' lengthy and impressive filmography. He's a man who obviously chose roles that emphasize the importance of humanity and compassion toward others, and it's tragic to lose someone so obviously committed to bringing happiness into the lives of others. For FilmNerds.com, I'm Matt Scalisi, bidding so long and thank you to the great Robin Williams. Look at Dale Ellis. He's got my eye. He does not have your eyes. He's got my eyes. He's got your mouth. Does he do? <laughs> One day, sweet peas, he's going to go to school and bust bigger kids in the mush. Yeah, you like that, don't you? Yeah. And we'll move into a vine-covered cottage on a shady lane. And we'll garden together. And we'll play house. I've been sailing by the seven seas Looking for some buddies who would sail with me Sail with me Sail with me Hey guys, it's Ben Stark. Just wanted to leave a quick note about Robin Williams. He had such a varied career and played so many different types of characters. And I think for people my age, and for me especially, he was a comedic voice, but he was also strangely an action hero in movies like Hook. And for our generation, I think he had this kind of moment in the early 90s where he was one of the biggest movie stars, one of the biggest cultural influences, what with Hook, with his role in Aladdin, and with his scene-stealing performance in nine months. But my uh, personal favorite 
performance of his is one that combines all the different aspects of his career, all the different aspects of his skill set, and it's kind of a weird choice, and it's definitely a weird movie, but one worth recommending. It's Robert Altman's Popeye. I think in that, it's amazing how Williams gives a physical performance, he gives a comedic performance, but he also lends a reality and a gravity to that character and to that world. The movie doesn't work on a number of levels, but it works very well on other levels, and it's all tied together by his performance, which he is just all in for, and really, you can't think of anybody else playing the role the way he did as, of course, Popeye. But yeah, a huge career, very sad passing. I also want to note his extremely quiet and calculating performance in Insomnia, but definitely a huge loss, and I look forward to checking out a lot of his movies that I haven't ever seen. I've never seen The Fisher King, and I know that that is pretty well regarded by a lot of people. So um, thanks, guys, and talk to you later. Bye. Hello everyone, this is Craig Hamilton, Film Nerds Nashville. I was very sad to hear the passing of the great Robin Williams, a wonderful actor and hilarious comedian. And he had so many great performances, not the least of which is his serious role in Good Will Hunting, a wonderful film, as well as his more seemingly improvised and off-the-wall performance as the genie in Disney's Aladdin. But what epitomizes Robin Williams for me, the role that I always think of, is his performance as Peter Pan in Hook. I think if you take that ideal of a young boy that never wants to grow up, so he runs away to Neverland to remain a boy forever, that matches Robin Williams' persona, his essence for me perfectly, a man who seemed to always be joyous and having fun and laughing and making others laugh. It's a perfect match to play Peter Pan, especially a Peter Pan that had gone back to the real world for dozens of years and was slowly trying to find his way back and remember his way back to that Neverland ideal. And Robin Williams epitomizes that for me. And you can check us out at Aspect Radio on Twitter and Facebook. You can hit us up on iTunes or go to Aspect Radio Show. Read Corey's stuff on Tus205.com. Read my stuff on AL.com. And until next time, I am Ben Flanagan. I'm Corey Kraft. This is Aspect Radio. Thanks for listening.